codes for commercial fire doors that a lot of people aren't aware of, but we're all uh, well aware and trained in uh, that uh, that industry. All available uh, with help and service at Access Hardware. You can go to accesshardware.net and find out more, or you could call Dale at 871-4200. 871-4200. Thank you, Dale. Thank you. The Mayor's Show is brought to you by Access Hardware. Let them help you with your security solutions, design, and consulting. Go to accesshardware.net or call 871-4200. You're tuned to 1110 AM, 96.7 FM, News Talk and Sports for Maui. Jack is here behind the controls for Talk Story with Mayor Mike Victorino who unfortunately is not here, but boy, do we have a show lined up for you. Communications Director, Brian Perry, good morning, sir. Uh, good morning, Jack. Uh, thank you for having us. Uh, yes, uh, Mayor Victorino is unava unavailable this morning. Uh, he, he, I hope he calls in. He might call in, but he's on his way to uh, Kaunapali to uh, give opening remarks in the 2019 Hawaii Congress of Planning Officials. That's at the Sheraton Maui Resort. So he's on his way to do that. And uh, I have one uh, brief announcement coming up. Uh, Maui County will be, the, the administration will be hosting a series of community meetings in, this month in October to receive comments and suggestions for the proposed budget for the next fiscal year. That's fiscal year 2020-2021. The first meeting is going to be up country at the uh, Mayor Hannibal Tavares Community Center. That's going to be on Monday, September 16th, followed by another meeting on Wednesday, September 18th at the Lahaina Civic Center Social Hall, and then on uh, September 30th, Monday, uh, at the Velma McGuane Santos uh, Community Center in Wailuku. And all of those meetings will start at 5.30. So again, um, that's going to be Pukalani, Lahaina, and Wailuku, 5.30, um, September 16th, 18th, and 30th. And the county definitely wants to hear from you. Definitely you know, do. That's why these meetings are taking place. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Lahaina injection well uh, uh, case. Uh, it's been very much in the media lately. And you know, there's been a lot of confusion and scary stories on social media about this case. And, and Maui County is appealing the lower court's rulings to the Supreme Court that's set to be heard on November 6th. Uh, these rulings would expand the application of the Clean Water Act to include discharges into groundwater. And today we're going to talk about uh, facts and not hype, and, and uh, we have um, experts here to talk about it, and I'd like to introduce them. Uh, we have uh, Scott Rollins. He's the acting chief of the County of Maui Wastewater Reclamation Division. Uh, Albert Hahn, he's the recycled water coordinator from Maui County. And we also have, for a private sector point of view, uh, Jason Economou. He's an attorney and the Government Affairs Director for the Realtors Association of Maui. I'd like to start off by saying that, first of all, we all want the same thing. We want a safe and clean environment, uh, a nearshore ocean that is healthy for fish and coral. Now, the question is, how do we get there? And Mayor Victorino is committed to 100% of reuse of recycled water as soon as possible. Uh, I'd like to turn it over to Scott to talk about some of the history and background of this case so that you know, so many people don't, all, all they know about this is what they hear on social media. So um, Scott, what, you, what can you tell us about it? Okay, thank you, Brian. Um, to begin with, you know, the, the Lahaina Injection Well lawsuit grew out of the, the perception of, of certain West Maui community members that the county wasn't doing enough uh, reuse about, about 2010. Um, some extent that's true. At that time, we were in the middle of a consent decree with, with EPA and DOH taking care of our sewer spills. And I think we've done a good job with that. We spent a lot of money making sure we don't have sewer spills now. Um, and if we back up a little bit before that, you know, in, in the mid-70s, before the advent of the Federal Clean Water Act, many states and counties, including Maui County, we just handled our sewage by, by dumping it straight into the, the ocean or a river without hardly any <coughs> treatment at all. Um, Lahaina actually had a, a, a shallow outfall off of Mala Wharf at that time. Uh, the, the availability of the federal funds made it possible for county 
to, to build the treatment plants we, ha we have now in Kihei, Wailuku, Kahului, and Lahaina. And at that time, we chose as an alternative, alternative disposal to use injection wells versus another outfall. And for all the water that wasn't going to, to uh, sugarcane and, and other forms of irrigation. Um, Maui County later, led by Elmer Cavallio, um, decided to pursue more wastewater reclamation and reuse. Um, recognized that potable water shouldn't be used for irrigation of golf courses and, and agriculture. So, so now with reuse taking, we, we take the sewage that comes into that treatment plant every day, four million gallons of water from 43 million plus people, or 43,000 plus people on the west side, and we treat that to, to R1 quality, and, and that's what gets discharged every day. It's not raw sewage, wastewater that pe people have been insinuating in, in the recent past. Do they still dump on Oahu, dump in the ocean? Sewage outfalls? Yeah. Yeah, they have many outfalls there, yeah. and, and their water isn't treated nearly as well as ours mm -hmm. is. A lot of theirs is only secondary treatment or, and tertiary treatment in some cases. Yeah. Scott, can you explain what R1 water is? R1 water has gone through filtration, disinfection, um, aeration, all kinds of processes to get where it is. If you put it in a bottle, you wouldn't recognize it from the drinking water you, you pull off a shelf in a store. It's, it's tested for, for fecal every day. It's tested for turbidity every day. It's the highest um, form of, of recycled water in the state, and we actually lead the, the state in recycled water reuse at this point. Let's hear from Albert. Uh, Albert, uh, you're the Recycled Water Coordinator. What can you tell us about the Recycled Water uh, Program? Brian, I'm proud to say that the County of Maui leads the state in its water reuse. Lahaina recycles 100% of its wastewater. Countywide, water reuse is approximately 35%. In the 70s, uh, Lahaina Wastewater Facility was designed to reuse water in the sugarcane and pineapple. But since, uh, since the day of sugar and pineapple are over, our facility has primarily been utilized in nearby resort and golf course irrigation. That's Kanapali. The Lahaina facility recycles up to half uh, of the approximately 4 million gallons of water a day it treats, while the other half, uh, the excess water, is discharged into about 200 foot deep injection wells through perforated pipe. For reference, our Lahaina facility is about 32 feet above sea level, so our well penetrates approximately 200 feet into the water table, a little bit less, where it mixes and is filtered through soil and bedrock prior to making its way back to the ocean. When a dye, uh, when a dye was injected into our well, the first sign of seepage took three months, uh, between three months and then all the way up to four years. It didn't stop coming out until four years later. The dye test substantiates that there's quite a bit of mixing in, of our R1 water with groundwater prior to making its way to the ocean. Now, turning back to this uh, lawsuit, it's again pending November 6th before the Supreme Court. Uh, Maui County was sued in 2012, and, and around the same time there were uh, certain national law groups across the country bringing lawsuits in different federal courts with the goal of expanding the the Federal Clean Water Act to discharges of uh, groundwater. Now, I know that the, the, the plaintiffs don't agree with this position, that it's an expansion of the Clean Water Act, but uh, Jason, you're an attorney. Can you address this question about whether this is an expansion? In my layman's mind, if you have one permit that we're required to get now, this under the Safe Drinking Water Act, and you then have to add that and get another one, you go from one to two, two is greater than one, that's an expansion of the application. Um, what, is, what is your opinion about this question of expansion? Yeah, Brian, that's an interesting question and it's kind of a complex one. Um, to be completely honest, this whole issue is a lot more complex than mm -hmm. a lot of people are giving it credit. Um, to try and break it down for you a little bit more, consider authority. Who has authority over the groundwater? The way that the federal government had imagined it, states had primary authority over their groundwater under the Safe Drinking Water Act. And navigable waterways and surface waters uh, are governed under the Clean Water Act. 
So what the Ninth Circuit did was they said that our groundwater is essentially like a navigable waterway because there is some sort of hydrological connection to the ocean. Uh, we all went to elementary school. We know the water table, so we know that all water is essentially connected. Um, that's a major expansion for how the Clean Water Act was initially imagined. And it has to be, I believe, traceable and more than de minimis. Can you explain that? Well, I would love to explain that, but the court didn't really explain it very well. Um, the thing about laws is that they're very specific, especially when it comes to permitting and licensing. So the court's opinion regarding the water being traceable and more than de minimis, or the pollutant being traceable and more than de minimis, is that they don't really go into detail as far as what that means scientifically. Um, to, to try and give you an analogy that might be a little more understandable, it's as though you are a person who drives a car and you have a driver's license for an automobile. And now the court is saying, well, um, guess what? You need to get a driver's license for a motorcycle. Now, those are two very different vehicles. You operate them differently. You need to know different skills in order to operate them. Um, the court has sort of conflated them because they both have wheels, but it's not that simple. I see. So uh, I'd like to turn to, uh, back to Scott. And, and Scott, you know, the, let's imagine that the, um, for example, the, the, that we do withdraw our case before the Supreme Court and, and, and you and Albert are, are left with uh, managing this. What, what, what do you say as the outcomes? What are the costs we're talking about? What are the, the issues with, with permitting uh, and the impacts on ratepayers? What, what do you uh, foresee? Well, if we withdraw from the case, then the Ninth Circuit um, judgment will stand. So that'll, that'll remain the law. What that means is we'll have to get an NPDES permit. It doesn't matter what provision the, the county puts in a resolution for settlement, we're going to have to have an NPDES permit because that's the law. So on top of our UIC permits that are required for injection wells, we'll have this third permit we have to deal with. Um, the State Department of Health the agency treated with, with regulating NPDES and UCI permits. Its director testified that a UIC permit can do the job but, but it doesn't have a way of applying an NPDES permit to injection wells. Um, the existing UIC permit is up for renewal now and can be structured to, to focus more on, on reuse and, and less on disposal in the wells. Um, we've discussed this with DOH quite extensively in the past. Um, all discussions with DOH to now has, have sh led to the path that they don't know what to do and we will not be able to comply with, with conditions on an NPDES permit. What that means is to find an, an additional disposal method, because we're required to have a 100% backup disposal method, we'll probably have to go to an outfall. And an outfall is a very expensive proposition. Um, How expensive is it? You know, an outfall, our preliminary estimates are $130 million for each treatment plant. And if we're going to have NPDES permit at Lahaina, we're probably going to need it at every treatment plant. So multiply that by three just on Maui. That's nearly $400 million. <coughs> um, kind of hard to absorb. With all the reuse we're committing to, we're already going to be increasing our, our sewer rates to our sewer rate payers. If we throw this extra $400 million on top of that, I don't know how we're going to do it without probably doubling our, our sewer rates over the next decade. Um, and, and just to be clear, it's not just the people in Lahaina that are going to face this burden. Everyone who's connected to the sewer pays the sewer rate. We're, all our money comes from the sewer fund, so everyone on this island who pays the sewer bill will be paying for this. What, what are the um, uh, issues with you were saying earlier that the State Department of Health doesn't know how to give us a permit, an NP and that, that, that permit. What, what, are what, the, is, wait, what, what is that? That's a, I just heard a whole lot of acronyms the, being The National Pollution here. Discharge Elimination System. Okay. Uh, that's the NPDES permit. You know how government loves oh, yes. our acronyms. I keep threatening to do a show just, and, just on acronyms. And then the other one that um, Scott mentioned is the UIC permit, which is the Underground Injection Control, control yeah. Permit. So it gets very confusing very fast. And uh, so the NP, the National Pollution Discharge Elimination System is the one that is tied to the Clean Water Act. 
and the uh, UIC permit is the one that's tied to the Safe Drinking Water Act, which is what we have already been uh, permitted on for decades. Mm -hmm. And so the, the other interesting point about the, uh, the Safe Drinking Water Act, and, and Scott, correct me if I'm wrong, is that the state has the ability to be more strict with um, its application of that. Is that correct? That's absolutely true. And, and we've had discussions in the past how they can limit the, the volume going down injection wells, which, which virtually forces reuse or other alternative disposal methods. Um, I'd like to ask Albert, since uh, Albert, you're in charge of the, rec the Recycle Water Program, um, the same question that I asked um, uh, Scott about, so if this Ninth Circuit ruling stands, how would it affect uh, the Recycle Water Program? It, it's, it seems to me that if, you know, that you have to have the water go from the treatment plant, transport it, and get it, is it cross private property, and how would private property owners react uh, to um, this ruling and, and possible liability con connected with it? Well, there's a couple things I'd like to add. You know, if, if we're going to outfall, it's going to really limit the amount of money that we can direct towards recycled wa water use. But uh, in regards to pushing 100% reuse, there's several hurdles that need to be crossed other than the, the obvious one, uh, what, what to do when it rains. Uh, that's prior to making this a reality. Um, <coughs> these obstacles can be boiled down to infrastructure, storage, uh, which is a storage tank and piping network, and more customers. Um, although uh, Maui County Code requires that all commercial properties connect uh, and utilize our recycled water for landscape, once we uh, once we've we have provided a lateral to your property, with the current litigation, we've been experiencing a backlash stemming from misinformation regarding the safety of R1. Uh, for example, people cl uh, claiming that staff the, and uh, that the uh, that we causing we are causing tumors in marine wildlife. Um, but more importantly, some of our potential users are citing that the use of their R1 irrigation for irrigation on near shore on their near shore properties is a violation of the Clean Water Act without possession of an NPDES permit. If you read the judgment and realize what most of our R1 customers are doing, they have they actually have a point. Most of our customers are near the shore, only a few feet above sea level. Some of um, some of them use over a million gallons a day. If you read the basis of the judgment against us, it requires that an NPDES permit for water that is traceable and more than de minimis. Uh, just a few feet above the groundwater, and in some instances, is a couple feet from the beach. You can, you can bet that the R1 water is entering the groundwater and subsequently the ocean, and that it is traceable. Can, could someone tell me what de minimis, I mean, we have an attorney here, but uh, <laughs> can someone tell me what de minimis is? Or uh, Earth Justice says it's menini. Um, but what does that mean? 100,000, 200,000 gallons, a million gallons? Um, I want to give a, an example. So um, it, it, it is very vague. Uh, and we want, to, we want people to know that we're not just trying to fight regulation. We, we encourage the regulation, but we want specific regulation. Um, can you imagine if, we're, if a police officer, if, you, if any of you were a police officer, and the speed limit was described as a little fast? Or you were a bank at, uh, and the FDIC said you could only be insured, or, or you only need to be insured a bunch of money. I mean, we, we just, we really want direction. We want clarification. The, the law has, I mean, if they're saying that the law is de minimis, then please define de minimis for us. You know, uh, uh, we did get a, uh, an email um, back in, um, in August from uh, Anna Wildman. She's the principal deputy assistant administrator for EPA's Office of uh, Water. And, uh, and, and she told uh, Maui County that the um, expansion of the Act's coverage could require NPDES permits for commonplace and ubiquitous activities such as releases from homeowners' backyard septic systems that find their way to jurisdictional surface waters through groundwater. Um, Scott, could you comment on that? Uh, that uh, communication from the EPA? You know, it kind of clarifies what we're saying. This isn't just affecting the county's injection wells. It's going to affect a lot of people on a lot of different properties. It's going to affect condominium pro projects that are near the ocean. 
It could af affect private residences near the ocean. There's many studies that, that already show that cesspools and septic systems reach the ocean and affect the, the near ocean water quality. Jason, let me ask you to comment on that because uh, we're talking about uh, uh, properties and uh, Real the Realtors Association, of course, is concerned with, uh, with that. Um, could you talk about this, um, first of all, this communication from the EPA and what, what you think of it and then what, how that might uh, impact um, um, properties in Maui County, the, the home sales, the home sale, the home market, all that stuff? Yeah. So. RAM, the Realtors Association, we largely care about private property rights. Um, when I see something like this letter from the EPA, it gets me really concerned because there's a ton of uncertainty in it, and it, it's rather threatening. Now, do we know for certain what's going to happen based on the Ninth Circuit's ruling? We do not, but that's the big problem. Legislation is meant to be as clear as possible. This way we can move with some certainty. This way people can transfer property, they can make contracts, they can make agreements with each other with some level of certainty. Right now what the Ninth Circuit did was they, they completely um, cut out the legislative process and they changed major federal legislation, not just the Clean Water Act, but also the Safe Drinking Water Act. So this creates a ton of uncertainty without any legislative process. This is what uh, a lot of people might call judicial activism in some circles. Um, the effect that it'll ultimately have on the, the housing market is really unknown, but it is potentially very scary. So now suddenly all of these homeowners that have septic systems and cesspools, um, really any individual wastewater system, they don't know if they need a permit, a, a federal NPDES permit or not. So whether or not the Department of Health says they're going to enforce, that doesn't change the fact that now there might be a new requirement for a new federal permit on every property owner that has an individual wastewater system that somehow at some, quote, de minimis level, might uh, release pollutants into the groundwater. So for instance, if you live in Lahaina, over this aquifer area, and you, if you have a, a septic system or a cesspool, it's traceable to the groundwater. We just know how the water table works. So it's really easy. We don't need a, a tracer die study. We don't need expensive computer modeling. Um, it's, it, it, there's a pretty good amount of evidence that would suggest that suddenly you are in violation of the Clean Water Act, even though you never knew you needed this permit. So that goes for everybody. Now, do we need to disclose this when we sell a property in that area? I don't know. Nobody's clarified that. There has been no legislative process, so nobody's really taken the time to think that out. So do we need to disclose? Can, can property owners be sued for this? Um, you know, this, this cause of action that was brought against Maui County, that wasn't <coughs> brought by the State Department of Health. That was brought by private citizens. So can private citizens now try and enforce the Clean Water Act against each other? I mean, what if your neighbor has a grudge with you? Can, can they use this as a cause of action in federal court? I mean, maybe. I don't know. Uh, it's probably going to cost you several thousands of dollars to defend it until you find out, until you get a court ruling. Um, I know this might sound alarmist, but the truth is nobody can say with certainty what the effect of this is. Only time will tell. Uh, but what it does do is it provides a whole lot of uncertainty and instability. And when it comes to future development, when it comes to just a healthy housing market, instability is not great. Uh, and uncertainty is, is really dangerous. You know, uh, Jack, it might make sense to take a break right now. Yeah, boy, opened up a whole avenue of potholes. <laughs> That's amazing information. Yes, you're tuned to Talk Story with the mayor, who's uh, heading to a meeting right now, 1110 a.m., 96.7 FM. We'll continue with our conversation, and we'll also open up the phones. Update, Democrat Jerry Nadler's House Judiciary Committee has approved new guidelines. What we are doing is carrying on an investigation as to whether to determine whether to recommend articles of impeachment against the president. And Chris Collins is the committee's top Republican. What's happened today is great. The Judiciary Committee has become a giant Instagram filter to make you appear that something's happening that's not. House Speaker Pelosi, who has shied away from backing impeachment efforts, put it this way today. Legislate, investigate. Litigate. That's the path we have been on 
and that's the path we continue to be on. The CBS's Nancy Cordes. There are moderate Democrats from swing districts who are uncomfortable with the idea of having to go back to their home districts and say, yep, we are considering impeachment. We're in an impeachment inquiry. Nadler says the committee will decide on possible articles of impeachment later this year. CBS News Update. I'm Steve Kathan. Jack is here with your latest Al News headlines. Valley police are investigating a deadly crash to Kahului parking lot Wednesday evening outside of Ross in the old Safeway just after 5. At least four vehicles were involved. Authorities believe one vehicle climbed a raised parking island and crashed into three parked cars. Two of the vehicles were unoccupied and a woman was in another. Police said a 41-year-old man who was behind the wheel of a 96 Acura died at the scene. His name and cause of death has not been released. A 24-year-old woman suffered minor injuries and was treated by medics. Fire investigators say a brush fire off Maui Veterans Highway yesterday around 2.15 near the Central Maui Base Yard was an accident when welders were working on piping. They tried to put out the fire with extinguishers but were unsuccessful. Firefighters rushed to the scene and extinguished it about two hours later. In all, an estimated two acres of brush burned and no injuries were reported. Island weather, scattered showers, otherwise mostly sunny, the high near 91. Northeasterly trades between 10 to 20 miles an hour. CBS News on KAOI is brought to you by DeKind Paints, your locally owned Benjamin Moore dealer at 250 Alamaha Street. Quality paints for colorful dreams. DeKind Paints, Benjamin Moore for everything that matters. Hi, this is Michelle, owner of DeKind Paints, where we provide quality paints for colorful dreams. As your independently owned paint and decorating retailer, we care about your project, whatever size it is. Take interior doors trim and cabinets for example. These areas demand special care given their constant abuse from everyday life. We recommend Benjamin Moore's Advance. It cleans up easily with soap and water and offers a durable furniture quality finish. Its waterborne formula translates to low odor and low VOCs. And Advance is available in your choice of 3,500 colors so you can achieve that just right look for your doors, trim, and cabinetry while still putting practicality first. Benjamin Moore, paint like no other. To find Advance and other Benjamin Moore products, visit DeKine Paints, located at 250 Alamaha Street in Kahului. We're talking to Dale DeSavo, President and CEO of Access Hardware, and you do a lot of wonderful things and help a lot of people in business here with businesses. One of the interesting things you do is working with all kinds of doors for businesses. Yes, we do. We do fire doors, which are fire containment type hollow metal doors for commercial. There's a lot more to fire doors than most people realize because you have to work with security as well as fire containment, as well as life safety, as well as disabilities. You have to be able to secure the doors from people getting in, but still make them easy to get out. There's a lot of codes for commercial fire doors that a lot of people aren't aware of, but we're all well aware and trained in that uh, that industry. All of available uh, with help and service at Access Hardware. You can go to accesshardware.net and find out more, or you could call Dale at 8. 8- Seven one four two zero zero. It's eight seven one four two zero zero. Thank you, Dale. Thank you. Who doesn't like to ride in luxury? Well, now you can drive luxury for less. That's right. It's Maui's award-winning Acura dealer, Acura of Maui's Luxury Ride for Less event. Now is the perfect opportunity to get in a new high-performance Acura luxury sedan and sport utility vehicle for less than you think. Just listen to this. Pay just two twenty-four a month for a brand new 2019 Acura ILX Luxury Sports four-door sedan. Again, that's a new luxury high-performance four-door sports sedan for only two twenty-four a month. Or how about a brand new 2019 Acura MDX third-row luxury sports utility? vehicle for $394 a month. Low, low payments on new high-performance luxury vehicles. Now that's what we call a deal. And remember, past credit problems are not a problem. When others say no, we say yes. Affordable luxury just got better. Head to Acura of Maui for the Luxury Ride for Less event. Call 871-1234. That's 871-1234. Browse for more inventory online at AcuraofMaui.com. Unapproved credit. Offers do not include tax, license, title, registration, customer, as a documentation fee of $395. ILX drive-off $29.99. MBX drive-off $29.99. Do it for details. It's fledgling season, and Maui Nui's young seabirds need our help. At night, seabirds sometimes get confused by lights and fly into structures and fall. If you see a grounded bird, place it in a well-ventilated box, keep it in a cool place, and call 808-573-BIRD. That's 573-2473. Please don't give the bird food or water and don't release it. For more information, go to MauiNuiSeabirds.org or follow Maui Nui Seabirds on Facebook and Instagram. Mahalo from Maui Electric and Save Our Seabirds Maui. Looking for something to do this Aloha Friday with your ohana? Join us for Lahaina Second Friday, 5 to 9 p.m. Campbell Park will feature free live performances 
by Maui Jam Band and a special guest performance. Enjoy all the delicious food and drink options. And don't forget to check out the great merchant specials and world-renowned art galleries along Front Street. There's no better way to spend your Friday. Visit MauiFridays.com for more info. That's MauiFridays.com. We'll see you there. Number one for news and conversation, 1110 AM, KAOI, a visionary station. You're tuned to 1110 AM, 96.7 FM, news talk and sports for Maui. Jack is here behind the controls for Talk Story with Mayor Victorino, who's on the road right now. Communications Director Brian Perry at the controls. Good morning, Brian. Uh, Thank you, Jack. Uh, Just for uh, listeners who may be just tuning in, uh, we've been discussing the Lahaina Injection Wells uh, litigation, which is pending before the uh, U.S. Supreme Court. There's a November 6th uh, hearing coming up. And um, today we have um, Scott Rollins. He's the acting chief of the County of Maui Wastewater Reclamation Division. Uh, Albert Hahn, he's the recycled water coordinator from Maui County. And Jason Economu, she's an attorney and government affairs director for the Realtors Association of Maui and, and Jason I'd like to turn back to you uh, when we uh, left you, know, you were talking about uh, the, the, the possible liabilities uh, coming up and you know what we hear over and over again from uh, the plaintiffs is that uh, Maui County is trying to gut the Clean Water Act could you um, address that point yes um, the notion that Trump's court might gut the Clean Water Act through this case and that it's Maui County's fault is just ridiculous, to tell you the truth. Um, The Supreme Court is considering a very narrow question. It's an issue of permitting authority. Now, when this uh, issue came up before the Government Ethics and Transparency Committee just last week on Tuesday, there was a testifier that came out and he was saying, we can't let this go to Trump's Supreme Court because Trump's EPA has already gotten rid of 84 environmental regulations. And one of the things that I pointed out in my own testimony after that is that there weren't 84 Supreme Court cases in order for Trump's EPA to gut those regulations. The, the Supreme Court is not uh, the, the mechanism for the EPA to deregulate. Trump's EPA is the mechanism for the EPA to deregulate. So what happened with the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, their ruling already handed authority over Hawaii's groundwater to Trump's EPA. So if, if you guys wanted to, to get upset about um, Trump's administration gutting regulations that are good for the environment, we should have gotten really upset back when the Ninth Circuit Court's ruling came out. Uh, at this point, in order to avoid Trump's EPA or, or Trump's Supreme Court from gutting the Clean Water Act, what we really want is we want this case to go to the Supreme Court and we want the Supreme Court to rule in a fashion that is in line with how the Clean Water Act has always been interpreted, which is that states get control of their groundwater. Um, that expansion creates a, a whole slew of issues, um, but, but one issue that is not on the table is the Supreme Court gutting the Clean Water Act. Okay, we do have a phone call. Let me throw out the phone uh, number, 242-7800. Gentlemen of the good morning, the good county. morning, good morning. On You're on the air. Good morning. You're on Are the air. Are they the ones that are going to be going to? Okay. Somebody's Latinist. Get out not listening. So. Okay, well, about the, the, the so-called Trump Supreme Court, uh, I, I, I was just curious about how many of the nine justices are actual Trump appointees, and there's two of them. Uh, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. So that's two of nine. So to say that two of nine Supreme Court uh, nominees make it a Trump Supreme Court, uh, that, that I don't know. What do you think of that, uh, Jason? I, me, also, I was going to say, I, I, we do have another phone call. Okay. So let's get to that one. Good morning. You're on the air live, 1110 a.m. Hello. Good morning. You're on the air live, 1110 a.m. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Um, are these gentlemen are the ones that are going to be going to Washington to argue the case before the Supreme Court? Uh, no, that's going to be handled by our uh, corporation counsel, and I believe we have uh, uh, attorneys that other attorneys that are working with Maui County. People that have been before the Supreme Court before. Uh, I don't know what their their track record. Uh, 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 Scott, you know. Yeah, the special counsel hired, hired by county counsel, um, they, they've done many cases before the Supreme Court. 
Okay, and what do you think the odds are that we'll win this case? Um, I, I don't know. What do you think, Sky? Well, we think there's a pretty good chance that we're going to win this case, which is probably why plaintiffs are, are after counsel so vehemently to, to get them to withdraw. What do you think, Jason? You know, even if the county doesn't win the case, it's still a beneficial thing for this to go before the Supreme Court. This way we have clarity in the law. That'll that'll solve a lot of disputes that are going on around the country right now, and it'll also av- keep us from avoiding a lot of disputes moving forward with all of this uncertainty. You know, Jason, you were saying... Yeah. You were, oh, excuse me, go ahead. No, but after you get that uh, decision, if we lose, we have to pay that almost $400,000 to bring our... A wastewater treatment centers uh, into uh, compliance, correct? If we settle, we also have to pay a lot of money. More um, than 400000 Uh Scott, could you address that? I think you, maybe this listener wasn't um, listening earlier when you were talking about the potential cost for the, to uh, implement the Ninth Circuit decision. Well, in order to implement the, the Ninth Circuit decision, we have a lot of uncertainty to go through to get an NPDES permit. Uh, that, that'll be the law if if we don't if we don't go to the the Supreme Court at this point. So, so, so that, we have a couple of steps before the Supreme Court, which is next month, a month from now. Actually, we've been through the the Ninth Circuit, so we've been through that uh, appeals process, and and the next appeal goes to the U.S. Supreme Court. So, so that is actually the next step at this point. Well, best of luck. Uh, you know, having us. Uh, double or triple our our bill in the next 10 years is not something to look forward to. No. Things are high enough as it is. We agree. But thank you very much for your efforts. Hey, thanks for the call. Can, can I add something to the... Uh, let me, the we do have another phone call. Good morning. You're on the air live, 11 10 a.m. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um, I just want to know if this uh, Supreme Court ruling goes south for Hawaii, will every single festival, which is also considered an injection well, in the entire state be in violation and under federal regulations for every single residence in Hawaii? If there is a link that is more than de minimis between the point source, which would be the cesspool, and the groundwater, um, and, and that, that groundwater transports it to the ocean, and that's traceable, then yes. And it's not just Hawaii. So this, this ruling by the Ninth Circuit has ramifications throughout the nation. And depending on how the Supreme Court rules, that'll also have ramifications throughout the country. Couldn't that break the backs of our, uh, you know, our residents? I mean, being forced to upgrade? Yes. I mean, depending on what the ultimate ruling is, it, it could be extremely costly for our residents. And, okay. and let me just add that settlement puts us in that same predicament. I mean, at least if we, we move forward and go to the Supreme Court, there's a chance that we won't be saddled with this NPDES permit and the possibility of everyone being in violation. Yeah, I'm hoping our state rights prevail because it's, it just seems suddenly out of control. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate everything our state is doing to abide by the Clean Water Act. And I respect it, and I, I think we're doing an excellent job. And I think you all are doing excellent work. So keep up the good work, and thanks for the info. I hope everyone, you know, every resident is listening to this because it could affect us in a major way. Yes. Okay, well, thank you very much for the phone call. You're welcome. Have a good day. Okay. Um, Albert, I think you wanted to make a point. I, I wanted to, to bring up the fact, the, the difference between what happened in the, the Ninth Circuit and what, what's happened uh, since the, the Ninth Circuit ruling and what's happening uh, prior to our, our Supreme Court um, date hearing, uh, that the EPA came on record saying that, clarifying that, that the intention was for NPDES permits to be for for per, uh, point discharge and not for injection wells, so there's there's quite a bit of difference that what uh, in in what happened between the judgment of the Ninth Circuit and what's happening in our appeal to the Supreme Court. Okay, 
Uh, Scott, when you're hearing this uh, this debate rage on, um, what do you think is the, in your mind, the maybe the most commonly held misconception uh, that that people have about this issue? And you know, here's your chance to um, to clarify it. Well. I've been telling people a pretty simple analogy of what's going on right now. We're, we're kind of at a, at a crossroads where we can take path A or path B. Um, path A is, is pretty well known. It's, it's continuing on with a, a more stringent UIC permit that, that forces us to more, more reuse. Because in the end, if you look at the goal far out away at point B, everyone, the plaintiffs, the county, the, the Department of Environmental Management, we all want more reuse, and that's what we have in our budget now. So, so there's several ways to get there. This easy path, which everyone has told us we need to take with a, with a standard UIC permit, I mean, we've been told by all the, all the engineers on the island, all the environmental consultants have said, use the UIC permit. Um, the division has said, use the UIC permit. The department has said, use the UIC permit. The county council has said, uh, corporation council has said, use the UIC permit. All these professionals that do this for a living have said, go this path. This will be the easiest way and the least expensive way to get to your point B. Whereas this, this settlement takes us on, on the other path, the path across the, the high ridge where it's kind of shrouded in clouds, where we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We're going to have to hire consultants to negotiate an NPDES permit so the county gets a deal if an NPDES permit can actually be be drawn up by DOH. Um, we're probably going to be hiring more consultants and engineers to design more systems in order to change our process at the at the plant or, or at least the discharge like I we talked about earlier with with the um, outfalls. So so that's definitely the most expensive way to go and and you know I think the people of Maui County would like the least expensive way and, and the easiest way for us to get to 100% to reuse in a, in a quicker manner. Uh, Scott, a lot of the, 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 the debate or the discussion has been about the, uh, the impact of the injection wells and the, um, the seeps that come out through the ocean and, um, and the impacts on the, the, the ocean environment, the fish, the reefs. Um, can, you, can you comment on that? Is that something that, that you have studied or you have access to information about, about that? Um, it's a good question, Brian. Um, been involved with these injection wells for nearly 20 years now. I was, I was at the plant the day we, we put the dye in the, in the wells to do the, the dye tracer study. Um, I remember everyone saying we're going to rush down to the beach in half an hour to, to see that dye come out. Um, much to the chagrin of some, it didn't come out for, for three months and continued to come out for the next four years. Um, there's a lot of reporting that goes on. The DOH does testing of uh, Kahakili Beach every, every month. Um, all that data is available. Um, all the data from the SEEP study we've, we've had available. And we, we've looked at it. We, we saw what happens to nitrogen from the point it leaves the plant to the, to the time it gets to the ocean. And it's reduced from 6,000 6, micrograms per liter to less than 100 micrograms per liter. That ground treatment is just the most awesome thing in the world. It's something we can't replicate at the plant. Um, we, we look at the state reports, the state 2018 state report on, on, on ocean water quality. Keakele Beach is one of the, the better, better areas for water quality. Uh, it still has, has issues and doesn't meet all the ocean water um, quality requirements, but it, it's closer than most. Um, we also have um, DAR report showing that the corals are, are improving and are at the highest point in the last 15 years and, and turf algae is down at its lowest point in the last 20 years. So, so there's a lot of conflicting information out there and it's all how you apply what, the data you look at. Albert, did you want to add to that? I, I wanted to expand on that thought. You know, the, compare the beaches that aren't affected by the injection wells to the to Kahikili Beach that is um, the, clo that, the that closest to the injection wells. Yeah, right? where, where the seeps were actually found coming up okay. in, the, in the near shore environment. And Kahikili is much cleaner than the beaches around the island that injection wells have no effect on. Why the, do you think that is? 
there's a lot of other factors involved in in the in the ocean water quality, runoff being a, a huge one. Yeah, I mean, depending on the area, uh, it could be a former agricultural use in that area. You know, people were very heavy on fertilizers and pesticides. Well, uh, w there was a lot of talk about nitrates. What can anybody tell me what nitrates are and where they come from, and is it possible to to distinguish nitrates from the the injection wells from nitrates coming from elsewhere. Nitrates are, is uh, a fertilizer. It's a nutrient, uh, and it's caused organically. Um, it, if we have organic breakdown of of, uh, of material, usually by I mean this is is by bacteria. Um, it, it the byproduct is nit nitrate. Uh, I'm sorry. I was wondering about how you would distinguish. The, oh. the, the nitrates coming from the organic matter that is, is, has come through R1 water that is, goes into the injection wells and then through time, we're talking three, three, at least three months to four plus years, that make that half mile journey uh, underground from the injection wells to the, the coastline. The nitrates in that water that people say encourages algae growth how do you distinguish that from nitrates that come from elsewhere? You know, you're talking about organic material in the soil. So if you're in the Pili, for example, and you have runoff that comes from former uh, uh, pineapple fields, and that there are pineapples there, and it goes in the soil, and that runoff comes through, does that also contain nitrates? And how do you distinguish one from the other? I think that's, that's the crux of the issue. You know, if you look at the EPA website, it, it defines non-point source versus point source. Point source being um, what the NPDES permit would govern and UIC permit, which, which would be a non-point discharge. If you look at the definition of, of how, um, how they uh, achieve, how they define what the UIC permit would govern, it's, it's where they can't identify where that pollutant or that nutrient comes from. For example, we, we inject um, we have some nitrate in our effluent, or in our R1, which we inject into the water, into the ground table. It mixes with the groundwater. The groundwater has nitrate in it. There's nitrate in the groundwater from other sources. That whole mixing, a soup, if you will, uh, makes it, a, a, by the EPA definition, a non-point source. And I know that goes over a lot of people's heads, and it sounds like... Uh, I mean, it, it sounds overly complicated. Te or but technical. Yeah, but that's, that's what us engineers do. You know, we, we sit there and we, we dissect what the regulations are, and then we apply them to real-world circumstances. That's exactly what the, uh, the, the judgment it, it makes us all up in arms because we're like, how do you, to take uh, somebody else's quote, how do you fit the square peg in a round hole? Mm -hmm. uh, Jason, you know, there's, there's uh, what... Albert was just uh, trying to describe and what we were trying to discuss about nitrates and the effect on the ocean and all that we don't know. Um, it, it just, how do you think that that is um, affecting the, the, the public debate on, on this issue and that is now before the, the Maui County Council? I think there's a ton of misinformation out there. Um, and, and ultimately, what it gets down to is what you said at the beginning of the show, what Albert said at the beginning of the show, is we all want the same thing. We want healthy oceans. We want what's best for Maui County. One of the big issues is a lot of people are saying that this is a simple issue, that this is not a complicated issue. They're wrong. They're absolutely wrong. That's, that's what I want. If you don't take anything else away from this conversation, take this away. This is a complex issue that a lot of really well-educated, knowledgeable people are in disagreement on. So this isn't a decision that can be made by, by following your heart or, or by, by applying common sense because you care about the ocean. It's not that simple. There's a lot of science and a lot of law involved here. So I urge everybody, go read some of the, the, uh, the legal briefs that have been filed here. Google SCOTUS blog Maui County and you'll find all the briefs and you'll see how complicated it is. Um, Please listen to experts, try and get through it, um, and don't fall for, for graphics. 
Um, you know, one of the things that keeps on getting brought up is that, you know, Maui County is siding with the worst polluters. That's absolutely not true. There are a lot of civic organizations, um, you know, the National Association of Counties um, sided with us. There's, there's a lot of blue states as well as some red states that agree. Um, this isn't an issue that can be decided purely based on a gut feeling. And if you're the type of person who makes decisions based on gut feelings, please just stay out of this one. Um, leave it to experts. Thank you. And I'm going to ask uh, uh, Scott to try to uh, sum up as we get close to the end of the show. You know, I think the county really needs to focus on the simplest, shortest, and least expensive way to get to more reuse and use injection wells less. The UIC permit with the volume limits as once proposed by DOH would accomplish this. A third layer of NPDES permits that we would have with this the settlement and, and, and not going to, to the Supreme Court really complicates and delays everything with time, money, consuming, more testing, more reporting, more consulting, more negotiating, and ending with the construction of outfalls and a backup disposal method. Uh, thank you. Uh, how much time do we have? Uh, a little over two minutes. A little over two minutes. So I have, uh, um, unless we get some more phone calls, I have, does anybody else have any um, other closing thoughts or? or Anything you'd like to say before? I have some announcements I could do. I, I have something to add. Go ahead, Albert. You know, when, when you look at the, the two sides of this issue, you see the, the quote-unquote environmentalists, although I consider myself environmentalist too, uh, but we have the quote-unquote environmentalists saying, don't go to the Supreme Court, and you have us county workers saying, we got to go to the Supreme Court, um, us county workers and engineers. But the, if you look at however way you slice this thing, what do we have in common? Everyone wants more reuse. Why are we squabbling with each other? You know, this, this is a fractured, uh, it's, it's kind of like a, a, a dysfunctional married couple. You know, we're all residents of Maui. We're all family and friends. You want, you want a, you know, mom wants a new car because her car smells. Dad wants a new car because it's more fuel efficient. Who the hell cares? We all want a new car. We all want more reuse. Why do we care about how we get there? Okay, thank you. Uh, I think that, uh, um, thank you, Jack, for having us on. I think mm -hmm. uh, Mayor Victorino would also like to uh, thank everybody that, that turned out on Friday to uh, celebrate the success of our, our youth baseball teams. Yeah, it was something a, it else was, wasn't it? It was a great, great, uh, turnout. great turnout, and uh, <laughs> Mayor was very happy about that, and it was a great event, and uh, thanks to everyone who helped put that together. And uh, we'll... We'll uh, keep on going. Okay. All right. Until next week. And by the way, thank you, gentlemen. That was a very, a very enlightening conversation. Until next week. Aloha, everybody. The Mayor Show was brought to you by Access Hardware. Let them help you with your security solutions, design, and consulting. Go to accesshardware.net or call 871-4200.